Welcome to Parker's MMA Show. If you want to learn about all things going down in the fight world, you've come to the right place. Each episode, your host, Parker Keene, will take a deeper dive into the always entertaining world of sanctioned fist fighting. Now here's your host, Parker Keene. All right, welcome to Parker's MMA Show, episode 72. We have a very special guest on today, Mr. Dot. Win is a professional boxer with a combined pro record of 23-3 and in both traditional and bare-knuckle boxing. He is 3-0 in BKFC and recently defeated Johnny Bedford to become the BKFC lightweight champion. That, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me, guys. It's my pleasure. All right, Dot, you, you lived in Vietnam until age 8. What do you remember about life in Vietnam, and did you play any sports or start boxing when you were there? Uh, not really. You know, um, like I said, I grew up in the countryside. Uh, so, I mean, I, I we basically, you know, um, I was very young at that time. So, we, we uh, I remember that, you know, we were very poor. So, uh, you know, we had to uh, work and hunt and stuff like that. So, um, so you know, like I said, when coming to America, it was a life-changing opportunity. Uh, for me was that um talk a little bit about growing up in vietnam what do you remember from that time and you know were you ever drawn to you know boxing at that time or did that come later well you know at that time i i don't even know about america it was like i never really went to school you know i just stay in a neighborhood and it's just it's a countryside in the like i said like in the farmland area so um you know, like I said, I still remember like the friends in the neighborhood. You know, I, I went back and visit in 2001 when I graduated. So everything has changed so much from for me being as a child. Um, like I said, we we live in a countryside where there was no television. There was, you know, I mean, um, I think really no electricity at all. So I mean, you could imagine that, you know. Uh, then my 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 dad's family were from Saigon. So he would take me to um, to Saigon, you know, um, just to uh, to see the different changes. And I was there for a, a few weeks, and uh, it was like, wow! First time I get to see a refrigerator, you know. First time I get to see, uh, you know, a, a car and stuff like that. So it was a, it was very enlightening. And then for me to come to America is is, is totally different for me. So I have to pick up and learn everything from the beginning. So talk about your transition to America. You grew up in Hawaii. Um, you go on to become a junior Olympic boxing champion in eighth grade. How did we go from living in the countryside to Vietnam to being a junior Olympic boxing champion? Yeah, um, like I said, I grew up I grew up on Maui, and you know I grew up in a tough neighborhood. And you know, for me to come to America. You know, they look at me as this kid who don't know how to speak English. So, you know, they I will get teased by those kids like, oh, man, you, you like, you know. So I, eventually I, I caught on, you know, and, um, you know, speak the, the language uh, and become part of the, the, the locals, you know. Because in Hawaii, um, there's a lot of Asian, but a lot of local kids, too. So, um, you know, I kind of blend in if you don't know how to speak the local pitching English. So, uh, so you know, for me, um, so from there... I, my brother was a kickboxer, and I, I grew up in, a, in a, like I said, in a tough neighborhood where all the kids fight with each other, and uh, I have to learn how to defend myself. So when my brother was doing kickboxing, 
uh, his his friend took him to the kickboxing um, coach, and uh, that's how I got started because I followed my brother. You know, he he wouldn't like me following him. You know, he 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 would walk to the gym and uh, I would just tag along. You know, <laughs> and I got to the gym and I got to watch them. And uh, I like I said, I was very you know for me as a young age growing up in America in those early days, 1990s. Um, you watch a lot of martial arts movie, and I was I was like I said, I love watching Bruce Lee and and martial arts movie. But I never practiced martial arts until that time, and uh, when I got the chance to do it, I was like, "Wow, you know, I'm gonna try to be Bruce Lee then." <laughs> so, how often, how often do you get back, Dot, either to Vietnam or to Hawaii? Um, I, I, like I said, um, you know, when I graduated from high school, um, I got a full scholarship for uh, the Olympic Training Center, Northern Michigan University. So I basically packed my bag and decided, to say, "Look." I'm I'm gonna succeed uh, regardless what I'm gonna do, you know, because I chose to be a boxer at that time and, and trying to be in school at the same time. I started computer information system, so I did really well, uh, you know, with the computers. So, but um, I always had to become a champion, you know, because you know everybody had high hopes for me, and that was my main focus. So when I left in 2001, I went to the Olympic Training Center. Uh, went to school there trying to make the 2004 Olympic, and then I turned professional, and it took me for so long. I, I did went back to visit my, my family there in 2015, but uh, and then that was only a few times that I went back. But uh, like I said, I live in Florida for so many, 15 years now, so I've been traveling a lot, too, but I settled here in Florida and became a champion here. So was was boxing just the path the whole way? Once you got to Hawaii, that was your mindset as you wanted to be a you know world champion boxer. Um, you know, like I said, you, like I said, you know, as a kid growing up, and, and uh, I did karate, I did kickboxing, and boxing was the only opportunity because you know during the nineties, you watch Mike Tyson on TV and he's making all this multi million dollar, and you watch Oscar De La Hoya, and and MMA wasn't even legal then. You know, it was just coming out. And you you watch those uh, those stream and like oh this is extreme cage fighting you know those crazy stuff. Uh, so the UFC was very new, but you know uh, I I wanted to be a boxer because you know that's where the money is at as professional athletes. If you want to do combat, that was the only sport you could actually do and make real money. But like I said, I was focused on school as well, and I was I wanted to be a computer science major in college, but I I had to pick one. You know what route I'm gonna go. So when I get that scholarship for the, the Olympic Training Center. It gave me an opportunity to say, look, maybe now that I'm going to turn professional and be the first Vietnamese ever a world champion in boxing. And that was my main focus. And, um, you know, I said for the past, you know, 15, 15, 16 years, that's how I was my main focus. But I realized the sport is not what you imagine. You know, you just get, it's a lot more difficult once you get into a deep down. So talk about that. I, I've heard in previous interviews kind of your frustration around the boxing business and the politics and everything that goes on. Um, talk about just kind of your career in general and what let you down about the sport. You know, um, you know, in, in the sports of boxing, I, I, like I said, I had some, some friends that really made it big, like Timothy Bradley. Uh, you know, a couple other ones that, that really made, but I think Tim was my teammate that really made it like, you know, prime time and, and fought Pacquiao three times and became one of the big names. So, you know, during that time when we was in college, you know, we had, we, we all of us had high hope. We were, I was going to be a superstar one day in, in the sport of boxing and we was going to make millions of dollars. 
but we didn't know the business side of boxing. You know, um, there's a lot of promoters out there and they, they look to promote you. If you don't have a good promoter, um, you know, you're just going to be fed as an opponent. And uh, like I said, I didn't have a good promoter, but I was a good fighter. And, and you know, like I said, um, it takes a really good promoter and a good good team to build you into a superstar. And if you don't have that, then you just a, you just a journeyman and you were just one of those good fighters that never got. And then if you're one of those good fighters that don't have a good promoter, you know, they, th those fighters are not going to want to fight you because they don't want to risk the career. Uh, you know, to fight you because in boxing they have this this way of thinking that you know if you have a loss your career is done. Uh, it's unlike MMA, you know, where they put the best fight together and you know the, a lot of those guys in MMA they don't have a perfect record, but you know they wanted the biggest draw. That look at McCormick, he lost five times, he's still the biggest draw. You know, it, it you know boxing it's like once you have one or two losses, you're like you're not a good fighter anymore. So it, you know that's how it is in the sport of boxing. I I just kind of learned it like that. Obviously, I, I agree with you, too, that I, I think you're a fantastic boxer. What are some of your favorite fights looking back on your career that, you know, for fans of you that could go back and watch and, and kind of remember kind of your, your best nights as a boxer? I, I would say, you know, like I said, my best wins were my last fight in boxing because I fought a kid that was undefeated and it was building him up as, as the next superstar he was ranked number one. He was ready to fight for the world title, his next fight. So they look at me as a tuna fight. And, um, you know, like I said, I was young. Like I said, that fight, it really made me it made me mature. Because then I, I said, you know, uh, I've been, you know, when, you, when you're when you in your 20s, you, you you have a lot of things psychologically. You, you, you're like, oh, wow, you want to go into a fight? Like, did you train enough? You know, you have all this anxiety fight. In that fight, I fought this kid. He was undefeated. I was 51 on the dog, and I, I told myself, Flores. Yeah, so I told myself, I said, you know what? I'm just going to go in this fight and have fun because I don't care what the result is because I'm such a big underdog. Everybody counting me out, but I'm going to prove everybody wrong. And that's the thing. You know, I, I changed the way that I fought, and, and um, they, you know, it made me a, bit, a different fighter today. You know, because you go in there and you look into – you to win and, and that's the only choice and you know you, you gotta have fun in there you don't put too much pressure on yourself and that's like i said I, I i made the fight a lot easier by doing that and i i won you know it was a long shot and i won do you think that's because just billy um do you think that's just because like how boxing is set up it's just like like you said if you have one loss in boxing your career can be over most times is that just kind of that was your mindset as a young fighter yeah, I mean, that, that's how it is. You know, like I said, um, when I lost my first fight, I mean, everybody, I could see all other people around me, you know, my, my, because uh, I was, I was, I was so good in training that I spot world champion and I'd just be at that level. So everybody had really high hope for me. You know, my, my manager and everybody, like, they already know I was going to be a world champion one day. If just, you know, they'd give me the opportunity. But, uh, you know, when I lost my first fight, is because I was overtrained. You know, I was overtrained. I fought my, my fight on, my I think it was my ten my eleven fight my eleven fight or ten fight I fought on ESPN it was a war against Castula Gonzalez we were the we were the co-main event on on ESPN and I fought in a, a war against this guy that was you know wanted to beat me so we I won a unanimous decision after eight rounds so my hands were bruised up and my manager was like you know we got an offer for another fight um, in in Arizona and and that's when I lost because. 
uh, my hand was so bruised up. I said, I said, I told my manager, I said, look, um, you know, I, I'm so burnt out from, I got nine fights that year. It's kind of unheard of, right? You have nine fights within the 12. Yeah. I mean, I, I basically trained after each fight, I would get back in tip top shape. I don't even take a break. So I fought nine fight that year. And my, my, that fight, that's the fight that I got me burnt out. And, and I just, like I said, I had nothing left in the fight. I went to Tucson, Arizona, you know, I was cutting weight, sucking weight and, and that fight was very close. I thought I won that fight, really. But you know, like, they, like I said, if you if you bur- over overtrain, you burn yourself out. You can't perform. And that's, when I had my first loss, you know, I, I could see everybody around me change because then you know, it seems like my career is heading in a different direction now. And uh, and you know, like I said, I, I had that one loss, and then you know, I have to reset and have to rebuild up again. And, and you know, I didn't have a promoter. The they they basically just kind of give me last minute fight. You know. Um, they gave me like four weeks, uh, three and a half weeks. You want to fight on on this and this, and I didn't have a trainer. Uh, I had I had a fell out with my manager, and that's why I have two more losses. And I, I didn't think those those were real losses because I didn't think those guys really beat me. It was just, they only defeated and I fought at their hometown. You know. Look, looking back on it, Dot, do you do you think of like? kind of the way your boxing career went and the way that it matured you i mean i'm sure at the time it was very disappointing but now do you look back on it as a blessing i mean you're you're the lightweight champion of bare knuckle fc i'm sure you're getting paid you know better than you were definitely a parts of your boxing career do you look at it as a blessing or is it still disappointing for you uh absolutely you know i i wouldn't be the fighter i am today if i didn't have those experiences you know like i said i would beat myself uh, hands down, you know, easily uh, with one hand uh, compared to the best that went 10 years ago. Yeah, as you get older, you get more mature. And and that's the thing about fighters, you know, you mature uh, as certain, certain, as you get better, better. If you look at Canelo Alvarez, you see him now, he, he matures as a fighter. You know, a, a lot of fighters don't mature. I mean, they can look really phenomenal. They've never been in the tough fight. You mature. Like, I, th- I think I'm a, a mature fighter now. I have, like, when I fight in there, I have no anxiety. I mean, as long as I do all my training. And that is the high, highest level you can go in there. And, and I think, I think you know, everything is perfect timing. God has a plan for everything. And, and now is my time. So let's talk about where you're at right now. Of your three bare-knuckle fights, which is your favorite and why? I said, um, I said my first fight, and first fight because I fought Travis Thompson. He was, um, he actually has 22 professional boxing fights, so he grew up with a boxing background. And uh, you know, like I said, um, that people, a lot of people didn't know that, but before that fight, I was very sick. I was sick for like five days, and I was taking Nyquil's and I was taking, you know, Zycom in the hotel. And I was like, man, I'm 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 in great shape, but all of a sudden I come up with this cold, because I guess you know when you're cutting weight and you're watching with your diets and everything, and you know, so your immune system kind of like you know you're in tip-top shape, but then your immune system is like, man, I, I'm sick, and I'm, I gotta fight. So a lot of things was going on in there because um, you know um, basically you know for me to be Vietnamese, you know Vietnam was divided into two countries, so you know my whole career I, I represent the South flag. And uh, my mom's side is from the south, so she was like, "You have to carry the south flag." And uh, and then all the people was like, people from Vietnam, they're like, you know, you should just carry the north flag. And I was like, man, I should, I, I want, I want the fan, the whole country to, you know, because Vietnam is very sensitive when you talk about politics. And 
the the North flag basically is a is a universal flag that's recognized around the world, and and for me to not have a flag and I'm Vietnamese, you know, I don't I, I don't get to represent where I'm from. So during that fight, uh, I said, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna carry the the the, the flag that is recognized worldwide, and and um, I basically my mom called me, blow up my phone, everybody in my family was like, and then I got. Death threats. They, they call up the promoter, oh David Feldman. I'm just it's like, you carrying this flag? We're gonna crash this. We are, so uh, so so anyway. Um, my wife came and took that flag out of my trunk, and uh, so I was I was a little upset, but uh, so anyway, I I went in to fight anyway. I was sick and I was upset at the same time. So I was like, you know what? We just gonna go in there and fight because I need to fight to uh, to get paid. You know, if I, I I don't fight, I don't get. So I went in there and just blocked everything out. Fought Travis Thompson. And we had fun in there. We had fun. He was he was a, he was a good fighter. He was a tough tough guy. I, I hit him with everything, but he was right there. And we had fun with each other. And 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 uh, you know he's not a dirty fighter. You know compared to um, when I fought Alby. Alby is like to come and grab the clinch. So that's part of bare knuckle rule. But uh, but you know I don't like doing that to people because I I feel like you know if we're gonna fight we're gonna fight fair and square. You know I mean that's part of the rule. So uh, I mean maybe one day I might do it. You know if my opponent is is dirty and I, he's doing it to me and I might do it to him. But that that's the fight I enjoy the most with Travis Thompson. That's I, I absolutely love that fight, so I'm so happy to hear you say that. Um but the the fight you're you're probably most well known for in the bare knuckle world is obviously your title fight most recently with Johnny Bedford. It you know, it's an absolute war and you're able to just maintain your counter punching, maintain your accuracy the whole time. How how do you maintain that kind of focus in a firefight, it's bare knuckle, you're in that small ring. You know, how do you, how do you stay kind of in the moment there and keep your technique? Um, you know, the, the thing about it is like, you know, bare knuckle is like a real fight. And I grew up in Hawaii. So when you when you do a real fight, it's a man to man and you have to like, you know, you, you wanna see who who's who's gonna be more macho. And I think maybe just like the real me kinda came out there, uh you know, that's 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 the thing about bare knuckle. You know, that's why I like it more because it's more more men to men, and the punches is, is is more meaningful. There's no protection. Like I said, um, you know, when you hit somebody with so much, I like I said, my my knuckle was so swallowed up by the third round. It, it was painful. A lot of people don't know that. If like I said, I gave a lot of, I I respect John a lot more. You know, he he even though we talk a lot of trash among each other, and. Um, you know, I'm still upset at him for grabbing my head and a few things, but you know, he he was a very very determined fighter, and and uh, I give him mad prop for that, and and he want he wanted to win just as much as I did, and and um like I said, he came to fight, and he was in he in great shape, so yeah. So what? Just comparing boxing and bare knuckle, obviously bare knuckles kind of bust on the scene the last couple of years and just gets a lot mm-hmm. of buzz because it's so, you know, it is so wild. It is kind of that macho man to man, you know, you go in there and it's, you know, one man comes out. That's kind of the thought process behind it. But talk about the recovery. How different is it recovering from a bare knuckle fight versus, you know, your previous career in regular boxing? Um, like I said, luckily I, I was only cut one time. I was cut with uh, with the uh, Albi. I think he he I think he hit me somewhere and then he headbutted me. I knocked him out and so he cut up my eye really bad. But uh, I think like I said, uh, the only other than that that fight I I didn't get that injury because it was only one round. But the fight with J- Travis Thompson, um, like I said, the only thing that was really worse for me actually, 
my knuckle is the only thing that really hurt. And I got a few bruises here and there, but it goes away in, in like within a week, you know. With Johnny Bedford too, um, like I said, uh, after a week, my, my face was good. Nothing was swollen. But my hand, my, my knuckle is the one that still hurt. I mean, right now, it, it still hurt a little bit, but I, as I hit the bag, you know, I could feel like, you know, just this ligaments, all this uh, tendons are still healing, you know. So it, it's getting stronger. But that, that's pretty much, I think, you know, compared to boxing, boxing is worse because I've been in wars with boxing. And I mean, if you get hit so much in your brain, you still, you still get headaches after a month, you know, from boxing because, um, you know, the, it's, it's different because it's longer rounds and you get more punishment. So it's more wear and tear on your body, really, in boxing. People don't realize that. And especially MMA fighter too, with gloves on, the MMA gloves. So, I mean, I, I watch some of those MMA guys that, that is retired now, and I'm watching them, and I'm seeing them, like, they, they are in terrible shape, you know. I'm lucky that I'm able to speak as well as I am, you know. I mean, I, I think it's because that I haven't fought in 10 years, you know. Out of the blue, every two years, I would fight one time. That's why I'm still able to speak as well, because... The more fight you have, the more worried you're in. You're gonna have a lot of brain trauma. Is is that something that you were always thinking about, kind of maybe in your early twenties or when you got into boxing, or is that something as you get older, you kind of start to see other guys around you in the sport and you think, hey, you know, maybe this is a problem. Maybe I should change the way I'm sparring or training or yeah. stuff like that. Um, you know, like I said, as I got older, I like I said, I ran a boxing gym for ten years. I own a boxing gym and. And I teach a lot of students and a lot of you kids, you know, um, and and that's the thing, you know. I I learned how to develop a different style where I don't take too much punishment because a lot of people just know how to teach offense because offense is very easy to teach where you teach how to th throw a punch to hurt somebody, but teaching defense is a lot different, more difficult. It is take like ten times more longer to absorb that because defense is where the confidence is at because if some if you have a bigger guy that's trying to beat beat you up and trying to knock you out. But if you can't really do that and you're just defensive, that's the highest level of confidence you can get. And and, and um, I, I think, you know, for me to do to be able to uh, do that and learn that within the 10 years, that's why I have the confidence I have today. Uh, so, yeah. So, that I mean, um, over the year, you know, I, as I can see that as a fighter, they, they need to not get hit because if you, you just go in there and try to hit somebody, you're going to get brain damage. So, you want to get learn, get better at it, but without getting brain damage. So th that kind of leads me into my next question. Obviously, you're a guy that's been around for a long time around the fight business. What is the best piece of advice that you could pass down to the next generation of fighters? See, a lot of fighters, they, they train so hard and they go in the gym and they spar hard. I'm telling you. You know, you want to spar smart. You want to hit as because every time you go in there and into the ring and you spar, you get any brain damage. You get hit no matter what, with headgears on or not. Those are slowly tapping on your head, and you go. You you're not gonna get. You probably gonna get slightly a little bit better, but you are gonna have just as much brain damage, and it's it's not gonna be right away. I mean, it's gonna be like you know a couple years down the road, you know. And and I I mean, trust me, I've been in this sport for long enough, and sometimes I still have that that you know when I'm talking and I'm like, man. Shit, maybe I got hit a little bit too much, you know? I try to, you know, connect those things together. But like I said, as a fighter, try to absorb as much knowledge without taking punishment. And a lot of trainers nowadays, they just want the guy to go in there and, and beat the crap out of each other, and they don't learn nothing. Next thing you know, they're taking all that damage, and the careers are already over before they even started. I, I know so many great fighters, so many national world champions, 
They never made it pro. They never made any money. Is that just because all the wars they suffered in the gym when they were growing up and they just never were able to put it together? Man. Right. Yeah. 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 And there's, you know, Max Max Holloway is one of our favorite fighters and he's he's spent a lot of time talking about that over the last couple of years is, you know, you only have one brain, you know, and right. once it, yeah, once it's gone, it's gone. Um, all right, let me transition here. I'll ask you another question. In your mind, what makes a great fighter and what makes, you know, some of the greatest fighters we've seen in both boxing and MMA? What just, what kind of characteristics? Um, I, I think to, to be a great fighter, you got to be a little crazy. So, I mean, <laughs> trust me, you have to be a little crazy where, you you have the you you have to get to know like have the fear of not fear but like have the ability to engage you know in a situation where um you know if your fight that's the fighter wants to fight you you have to have that and and you, you basically it's heart you know heart is is very important I mean a lot of people said heart can be taught yes heart can be taught you know it, it depends on the situation like you said if you're struggling. And and you're poor. You have no choice. You gotta have heart. You know. You gotta you gotta feed your family. Then it's different. You know. So I, I grew up in that situation. So I like man. I'm I'm never giving up. And uh, and that's why that's that's why the people who has a struggle upbringing you know have a lot of heart. I mean, if you watch Rocky, Rocky when when if you I love Rocky movie, right? Yeah. <laughs> so when you see Rocky when he when he looking at uh, when he's in difficult fight. He look at those scenes that he been through, and his family struggling. You know, he digs deep. He dig deep. That's what heart is about. Hmm. So I ask this to all the fighters that come on the show, but um, for the rest of 2021, what are your goals, both personally and as a fighter? Me personally, you know, like I said, I I like to do a lot of things. I have so many ideas. Like I said, I, I ran a restaurant. Now I'm kind of kind of bored of it. You know, I ran a boxing gym for 10 years. I was bored of it. So, I, you know, I, I kind of, you know, gave it away, sold it to my friend. And then I, I opened a restaurant. Now my wife is like, you know what, we, we she's kind of bored of the restaurant business again. So we, we learned everything from the beginning. And I have so many different ideas that I, I want to do, like starting an e-commerce business and things like that. But as far as with fighting, you know, I achieved my goal as being a world champion. Now, what is the next thing? I want to achieve greatness, you know. So maybe for me to achieve greatness, I have to go up to another division. If I'm just going to keep defending my belt at 135, I'm not going to be known as the greatest fighter out there, right? So if I, I haven't become a world champion already in bare knuckle, and I like to go up to 145 because, uh, you know, that way if I win the title at 145 and then win the title at 155, you know, that's where greatness is. You you want to achieve something that's impossible. Look at Manny Packer, eight-division world champion, and, and, and look at June Jones, you know, uh, he wants to move to heavyweight because he, you have to test yourself, and that's how you achieve greatness. If you just stay in the same division and you just fight the guy that you already know you can beat, you're not gonna achieve greatness. And that's what that's what right now, bare knuckle 135. I don't think anybody can beat me. I'm gonna go out to 145 and and, and uh, you know challenge myself. Is there is there anyone out there that you think uh, would be a, a worthy challenger at 145 for you for your uh, first bout at the new weight class? Um, like I said, you don't know until you go in there because fist fight is totally different. It's you can have all the skill in the world, but if you have somebody like Jason Knight that is tough as hell, he's not going nowhere. He's gonna you can hit him with everything, and he's there right there. He throw a punch back, and you know then you know that that's the thing I like about bare knuckle because it takes so much guts and and heart, you know. And then 
like that's what some fighters are. You know, like look at Jason Knight versus uh, Otto LaBeouf. Those guys are really tough fighters, and um, you know you hit them with everything, and they stay right there in front of you. So Jason Knight is is one of the fighters that I respect, and and he's a he's a very respectable fighter as well. You know, unlike Palomino, I dislike <laughs> Palomino. Even though Palomino is a great fighter, I dislike him as a person because he talks so much shit. And trash and he he degrades other people and then you know he belittle he belittle everybody he fights and, and he putting so much emotion calling people just naming that so that's the guy I want to beat down even though he's a great fighter I just dislike him because I want to beat the crap out of him you know what I mean that's that's how that's how you do it right <laughs> yeah well hey man we got we got one segment left we do it with everyone who comes on the show we call it our rapid fire segment. It's going to be five rapid-fire questions, not about uh, fighting. So uh, try and theme it for every guest. Obviously, you're a Hawaiian guy, so I got you five rapid-fire questions about Hawaii. Let me know when you're ready. Go ahead. Go ahead. All right. Question number one. Who is your favorite athlete or celebrity from Hawaii? Um, really, huh? I, I gotta say, uh, what is his name again? Um, the, the I can't remember his name. That's terrible. Um, he plays. He plays in uh, the Lion King. I think he's. Uh, he also played Bruce Lee. I can't remember his name. Uh, he's from Hawaii, though. Remember the guy that plays in the Lion King? Uh, he, he, he he's Asian a little bit. He's a little mixed Asian. But also the Rock. The Rock is also from Hawaii, and I like the Rock too. Yeah. What is the best food or restaurant in Hawaii? The best food, uh, uh, man, I love pokey. You know, like I said, pokey, like, you know, so so I love those, those food in Hawaii. So every time I go back to Hawaii, that's the first thing I do. I go to, I go to all the grocery and they have pokey right there in the, in the grocery store. Here, you don't find that around here. I mean, you find sushi, but they make it, like, different. Yeah. If you were designed to design a massive fight in Hawaii, bare knuckle or boxing or MMA, whatever it was, what venue would you hold it in? I think the Blaisdell. The Blaisdell in Honolulu, that's the biggest one. But you know, like I said, I grew up on Maui, Hawaii, so uh, Maui Memorial uh, Stadium. I mean, I fought there a dozen times, so I would love to do it on Maui. It would be sold out. So, but the, the, the Blaisdell Stadium is the biggest one, so that's in Honolulu as well, yeah. Okay, question number four. What is something that Hawaii is not known for, but it should be? Not known for, but it should be. Outside for uh, fighting, you know, I think, uh, well, well, they are known for fighting, really, right? So uh, what's it known for? Hmm, that's going to be tough. <laughs> like, what's a hidden gem? Right, yeah, yeah, it is a hidden gem, right, right? So... I don't know. I can't answer that one. That's a tough one. Okay. Last question. Where is your favorite beach in Hawaii? Uh, I think it's Little Beach. <laughs> I go, you've been to Little Beach? I've never been to Hawaii. I like Big Beach. I like Big Beach because it's, it's a big beach, uh, and then you go over the mountain, you go to the Little Beach. That's where the naked people's at. <laughs> you know, there's like a play- you go over to a little mountain and big beach, and then you go over there. That's where they have the nude beach. But that's where a lot of hippies are at. But it's all cool, you know. Uh, we go, we go. You know, it's, it's Hawaii. Is a lot of uh, great people out there. It's, it's a fun place to live. That's awesome. Very cool. Well, Dot, thank you for coming on the show. 
uh, let the people know where they can find you on social media and any shout outs that you have. Yeah. I want to I want to thank you guys all for, for having me today, you guys, uh, Park and that guy. Absolutely. And look, if you can find me here on that be that, you know, at that be that, you can't miss that. So um, I'm I'm everywhere on social media, so Instagram, Facebook, you can find me on there. Okay. Thank you so much, guys. Awesome. Well, looking forward to your next one. Thanks a lot. All right, man. Best of luck. Thank you. Thanks. Texas Trees is the premier tree care company in the DFW area. Whether you need basic maintenance or specialized services, when it comes to trees, we've got you covered. Pruning, chipping, bracing, and cabling, even root barriers and disease control, we do it all. And if you aren't sure what you need, we have certified arborists on staff to point you in the right direction. Visit us at NorthTexasTrees.net. That's NorthTexasTrees.net. Thanks for listening to Parker's MMA Show. Take a moment to rate and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and visit ParkerKeensMMAShow.Podbean.com for additional information on Parker and to stay up to date on the latest drama in the fight world. For more information and important links about today's episode, check out the show notes.